Disney's Episode 5, Disney Lorcana. What we know so far. Welcome to another episode of Disney's, a podcast for Disney fans. I'm your host, Christopher, and I teased in the last episode, at the end of the last episode, that uh, I was going to be doing something very special in this episode, and I didn't want to spoil what it was. I wanted it to be a surprise, because it is something different. Up till now, I've been talking about movies, and uh, today we are talking about a game. We are talking about a Disney card game that's coming out later this year called Disney Lorcana. And once again, when I say we, I mean literally we, because I have another guest on today. And this is a very special guest. Uh, I asked him to come on because he knows a lot more about this game than I do. And uh, I have known him for most of my life and all of his. Uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, my uh, my brother Cody is on the podcast today to help me talk about this game. Uh, how are you doing, Cody? Good. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for coming on. And I have known on. you all my life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is a good joke. So, yeah, uh, I'm really excited to talk about this. Uh, like I said, I feel like you know a lot more about it than I do, um, because you're kind of like, the between the two of us, you're definitely more the gamer. Like, I, I do really like games, but not to the extent that you do, and you always have for as yeah. long as yeah. I've known you for pretty much your entire life, so... Uh, yeah, so uh, you were actually the one who first told me about this game. I didn't know about it until you said something. You invited me to a Facebook group and uh, told me about it. And I was like, I would love to do a podcast episode about this game. Would you want to come on and join me? And you were like, absolutely. That sounds like so much fun. So, yeah, I appreciate having you on. Yeah, uh, I'm excited to be here. Um, to the people listening, my name is Cody. Uh, I've been playing games for as long as I can remember, but card games specifically. I think I started Magic like 12 years ago, played pretty competitively, took a break, and played Magic here and there for drafts and stuff like that. But as far as card games go, recently the One Piece card game came out. I've been playing it nonstop. I'm a sanctioned judge, and Lorcana coming out later this year is kind of almost riding the fever, I feel like. like because One Piece came out, I'm playing so much of it, and now Lorcana is getting revealed. I'm like, oh my god, that sounds so cool. This mechanic sounds cool. What's going to happen? So uh, it might be a really good year for card games. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there just wasn't any question as to if I'm going to have someone on to talk about this game with me, it's going to be you, because I don't know anyone who's more enthusiastic about card games than you are. So <laughs> <laughs> it was just, uh, there was no decision behind it it was just like yeah cody's cool. gonna do this <laughs> nice. so, yeah uh so uh before we actually start talking about this game though i do have a little bit of disney news not a whole lot this week but a little bit so yeah there really wasn't a whole lot this week uh to talk about uh we're actually recording this way before this episode's going to come out uh, in fact, Cody and I were just talking about how we really hope that there aren't any like major updates about this game before this episode comes out. Uh, but yeah, generally speaking, there's there's been one or two card reveals a week. 
So I'm hoping that by the time this episode reaches you guys, there's only one or two cards we didn't talk about. But. Yeah, because that won't be too big of a deal. But if they like end up revealing the rules, you know, the objective of the game and that sort of thing, that's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they dropped the rule set Friday. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, there isn't really a whole lot, especially since I just recently recorded the Maleficent Mistress of Evil episode with Rick. And uh, there hasn't really been a whole lot of Disney related news since then. But uh diego luna did come forth and make some statements about andor that i found pretty interesting uh for starters he confirms that i think we might have already known this i don't know but he confirms that season two of andor will be the final season which uh i have mixed feelings about because part of me is like but i love it so much i want it to go on for like four or five seasons because season one was so good but at the same time it's like you know I think it's a good thing for writers to have an end game in mind and to know where they want this thing to go because some shows don't and they just go on and on and on and on. And then it gets so that they're not very good anymore because the writers have lost their focus. They don't know what they're doing anymore. Uh, yeah, I, I hard agree. I think, I think with Andor especially, they could get really lost in just more and more problems for the cast instead of just telling this really clear, sharp cut story absolutely yeah and with it being a prequel to star wars rogue one i mean that also presents the challenge of well we know where this character's journey ends you know yes so yeah, yeah i think it's good that they are closing it even though it's going to be sad because this is like it was really good yeah i mean yeah easily in my opinion at least like this is andor is the best that star wars has been since it was revived by disney yeah, uh, I agree. There is a tension in Andor that I've never felt in any other Star Wars media. Yes, 100% agree. Absolutely. Like, I was on the edge of my seat, like, shaking and nearly crying in the riot scene in the finale. It was so yeah, intense. Yeah, stressful. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Uh, all right. So anyway, yeah, the article, the headline, and this comes from Variety. I will, as always, put this in the show notes. Uh Diego Luna explains how the audience is part of Andor Season 2, sheds light on his Star Wars future. Uh, and I'm just going to read a couple paragraphs of this, because like I said, I'm going to put it in the show notes if you want to read the entire thing. Uh, but it says, There may only be one more season of Andor to go, but it sounds like it's exactly what audiences are hoping for. Diego Luna, who's currently filming the final season of the Disney Plus series in London, which is interesting because I didn't know it was filming already, uh opened up about the experience on Friday at the Miami Film Festival, where he accepted Variety's inaugural Virtuoso Award. It's been bittersweet because every day I know I'm a day closer to the end, Luna said. It was really nice to approach a series knowing there's an ending. It doesn't happen. Which, yeah, I was just saying that, that oftentimes shows just, you know, they, they just go on and on and on and on. And, like, Supernatural, for example, I haven't seen that, but it has, what, like 15 seasons Oh my God. Yeah. Yes. And I'm sure it's on and on. Yeah. And I'm sure it gets to a point where it's like, okay. Cause wasn't there, I think it was after like season five or six where that was actually originally supposed to be the ending. And then the um, network was like, no, bring it back. <laughs> I'm not positive, but I definitely feel like a lot of seasons of that show end that way, like definitively. And then it comes back. Yeah. Yeah. But... <laughs> yeah. Luckily, that's not the case for Andor, a prequel to the 2016 film Rogue One, A Star Wars Story. The second season ends where Rogue One starts, and this is more a quote from uh, Diego Luna. We're not changing the ending of Rogue One, so that's it. 
It's a nice feeling. It's like a long film. It has a beginning and an end. We all know what's going to happen, he said. There's something interesting with the second season, which is that I have a different feeling every day I go to set. Now I know, not just that the series was well-received and that people liked it, but I know why they liked it. That's another tool we have these days through social media. We actually listen to audiences and critics. We understand what things connected and what didn't connect. It's kind of cool to have an opportunity to go and execute another season having this information. It's, in a way, a season that will end up representing the audience in a different way. Somehow, the audience is part of this season because the interaction we had served as inspiration. So it sounds like they've really been listening to the way that fans reacted to season one and are writing season two accordingly, which is pretty cool. I feel like a lot of creators don't do that. They don't listen to the audience. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that's really exciting to hear. Um, they're taking Andor season two like really seriously. But I think Star Wars fandom can be really... Uh intense with their opinions so when you say that you like something a lot it can be controversial even when you don't expect it like saying you really like star wars visions <laughs> and being told that's not canon uh but rogue one is like one of my favorite star wars movies and it's ironic that andor is now one of my favorite star wars tv shows so i'm happy that they're they're carrying that that weight <laughs> yeah and to be honest like when andor was first announced by that point i was kind of starting to feel star wars fatigue because we had gotten the Mandalorian, we had gotten Visions, we had gotten Bad Batch, although I still haven't watched that. Uh, we had gotten uh, Boba Fett. Am I missing something? Honestly, not sure. Visions? I said Visions. Count that. Oh, you said Visions. Yeah. Mm. I feel like I'm forgetting There's something, so many. but maybe I'm not. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I am forgetting something. Obi-Wan. Oh, right. Yeah. You know, that one. Yeah. So when Andor was announced, I was like, really, another Star Wars show? Like, between this and the MCU, it's getting really difficult to keep up with this stuff, you know? And yeah. I felt like, why are we doing a show about a character that ends up dying anyway? Like, <laughs> <laughs> And lo and behold. Yeah. And I surprisingly loved it. Absolutely loved yeah. it. Yeah. So. Well, great. That's good news. Yep. I'm excited about season two. Really excited. Uh. All right, so uh, let's give some general info here about uh, Disney Lorcana. It is set to be released on August 18th, 2023. And uh, I'm going to let you take most of this, Cody, because like I said, you know a lot more about this game than I do. Sure. So Disney Lorcana is set to release August 18th, 2023 to local game stores. So that's like uh, anything non-retail. So the place you go to pick up a pack of cards, if you're into any card game, those types of stores are going to be stocking Lorcana early. Uh, retailers are going to be getting it September 1st. Um, as somebody who plays card games, I strongly believe that this is to set those two weeks up between local game stores and retail releases for events. Uh, it's something a lot of card games do. They call it a pre-release week. Uh, it's ironically what One Piece is doing this week. Uh, you can go to your local game store, buy packs, but you cannot go to Target. You can't go to Walmart. Um, you just have to play these events and hit up these stores and participate in the community, which is something that I think is really awesome. So you can buy the game at Target, probably Walmart, stuff like that. But it's going to be later than the people that are going to those local game stores. Yeah, yeah. And I mean... I kind of have mixed feelings about that because like you said, it's definitely, uh, it is cool that um, you have that kind of exclusive experience, but at the same time, 
not everybody has like if someone for example lives in like a small town that doesn't have like a local game store you know absolutely it could be a really a real pain like i'm thankful to be in a situation where i can get places but even where we live i have to drive 45 minutes an hour for an event in a different card game and i imagine that these same shops in our area are going to be doing Lorcana and there are probably people that live in way worse spots than us, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Cody and I live in a a very strange town because landmass-wise, it's big. But as far as, There's like... not much going on. Exactly. <laughs> There's not a whole lot going on here because most of the land we have is used for, like, dollar stores and gas stations and things like that. And so... I was just talking to Rick in the last episode about how um, there's a Maleficent prequel comic coming out in May, a uh, prequel to Sleeping Beauty, that is, not the Angelina Jolie movie. And, uh, you know, I was saying, like, I'm probably going to have to, like, travel 45 minutes to an hour to a comic book store to pick it up because there's nowhere here to get comic books. So, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So it's un unfortunate for the people in those two weeks that really want some cards. But um, some local game shops will let you pre-order and they'll they'll mail you some stuff. Uh, hopefully, if you really want to get a hold of the game in those first two weeks, you'll be able to. But as a card game player, I'm really hoping for some events in those two weeks. I'm hoping for some like promo cards. And I'm hoping that uh, the Disney Lorcana community, even if it's filled with people that are just you know, excited to play with some Disney stuff like that aren't really big card game players. I think that makes for the strongest community. You have a mixed batch of people that like Disney, people that like card games and both. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit about how, you know, this does definitely, uh, it has the potential of being a, uh, you know, a collectible thing, not just a playable thing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so when you say, uh, that, there will be these events over those two weeks at uh, game stores. Does that just mean like indie game stores or will like GameStop and things like that be doing it? Nope. In my experience, it's more of like the, the locally owned mom and pop yeah. game shops. We have one nearby mind games. You're probably familiar with them. Yep. Uh, that type of shop. Okay. Uh, right. That shop specifically upstairs has a card room with like a bunch of tables and they run events up there. So it's like uh, those types of shops are what you're going to want to hit up. Sanctioned events, which is something that I could also talk about now, because I imagine that these sanctioned events, if, if there is a two-week period of running events, Disney is directly going to be sanctioning them, because if Ravensburg is sanctioning them, uh, then Disney is sanctioning them. So I, I think that... Uh, there's definitely going to be some really crazy support during these events and Disney is going to be putting up product like for you to win. And it's like, what company could do that better than Disney? I feel like, like who has more resources. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, do you know if, uh, any exclusive content has been promoted or advertised? Because I know that like target, for example, will very frequently when it comes to like their music and movies and uh, even like Funko Pops and stuff like that will very frequently have like exclusive content. So do you know if there's been any exclusive content that's been announced? Nope, there hasn't been anything announced yet. We talked about there's likely going to be Target exclusives. That is our prediction because Villainous, like you said, um, has some exclusive versions of the Corella expansion pack. I think they have a Gaston exclusive. 
they have a Loki exclusive for the Star Wars villainous. So I would not be surprised to hear that there's some some special Lorcana stuff at Target, but nothing announced yet. Yeah, yeah, the Marvel villainous, you mean? Oh yes, Marvel villainous. What did I say? Star Wars. <laughs> I think uh, Loki would fit right into the Star Wars world, though. I think he would. Oh, imagine <laughs> like a a lightsaber dagger. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So set one, the first cards that you'll be able to get your hand on hands on, whether you go to a local game store on the 18th or if you go to retail on September 1st. Uh, you're going to be looking for cards that say the first chapter. That is the name of set one. Um, they have announced that there will be over 200 unique cards in the set, and I'm really excited. I mean, the first set of a card game really sets the stage. So uh, I don't love the name, to be honest, the first chapter. Uh, I think it's appropriate and it works, but I think it could be a lot cooler. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it kind of does work because, you know, typically when you think of chapters, you think of books and the game is called Lorcana, as in like lore and arcana. So, you know, and it's, it's very appropriate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's based like on a spell book Disney, which, yeah, Disney is all about storybooks and spell books and stuff like that. So, yeah, it definitely does work. But I agree. It's kind of a lame name. Yeah, I, I just hope that for the future. Maybe they mix it up a little bit, but I'm also okay if in 10 years I'm going to my local game store to pick up my Lorcana, the 47th chapter. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, (laughs) yeah, it does seem like that's going to get tired after a while that, you know, hopefully they catch wind of that. But then again, it's like with the MCU, for example, you know, our our kids and grandkids, if we ever, you know, if we ever do have kids like, you know, are we going to be taking them to see, uh, mcu movies that are in the 40th phase you know like (laughs) a very good point yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah so for sanctioned events they have confirmed them it's just we don't know exactly what's going to be happening and they have not confirmed that that two-week gap is for pre-release events but that's my guess but either way if you wait until retail and you get into lorcana even if it's just with your friend or you're like me and you try to get your significant other to play card games with you you will be able to uh, get into sanctioned play after that pre-release. So you should be able to have somewhere relatively near you that you can go and play organized Lorcana, which is really exciting. Yeah, that is exciting. Yeah. And uh, because this is a game that like, I definitely am excited to play, you know, as a huge Disney yeah. fan, obviously, Um, you know, I, uh, yeah, I'm really excited to play this and, learn the rules and whatnot i'm so yeah i'm so excited even just talking about it i can't help but smile just because it just makes so much sense i can't believe it's 2023 and we're getting it now (laughs) i know i know i mean obviously there have been like because i just actually showed you a picture today of uh a disney villains card game that ravensburger put out so yeah i didn't even know about that yeah so like obviously there have been like disney card games here and there but this sounds like it's going to be something that could potentially go on for the next 20 years at least you know because there's going to be so many opportunities to put new cards out and it's sort of like pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh and that sort of thing where you can kind of or at least i'm assuming it's going to be like this where you can kind of assemble your own deck so absolutely yeah um it's exactly going to be like uh, Yu-Gi-Oh, pokemon what else do people play magic flesh and blood those types of games where you can go get a starter pack get some packs you can play meta you can play the most, the best cards in each set to, to win games, or you can play the cards that you like. You know, the you can play the game however you want, and I'm really excited about it. Yeah, it's definitely very exciting. 
All right. Uh, so this is the part of the podcast where normally we will give like a I or we, depending on if I have a guest, uh, we will give a brief synopsis of the movie or show that we're talking about, but this is not a movie or show. So what we're going to do here <laughs> is uh, talk about what we know so far about how the game is played. We know very little, very, very little, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to give this to you again, Cody. So what do we know sure. so far about the game? Um, as of right now, uh, we are recording this on March 6th. Uh, there is no rule set for the game, which is so funny. Uh, I've had so many conversations with people about this game. We're sitting down and recording a podcast about this game, and there's no rules. You would think that would be like the first thing that they announce is this is how it's played. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, nope, yeah. they're saving that. <laughs> the uh, trading card game community, like Reddit and Discords, you know, they've been speculating. And just by sh looking at the cards, that Disney and Ravensburger has shown us already, they're they're kind of putting some mechanics together. Um, they have really some information though, so it's not like we have nothing. Uh, we know that all like legal decks, so not just if you're going to sanction play, but if you're playing with your friends, if you both want to follow the rules, your decks need to be sixty cards. Uh, it's just like Magic: The Gathering. Um, I'm not really familiar with all card games, but I think Pokemon is sixty cards as well. Yeah, it's so, been a long time since I've played uh, Pokemon, so I, I don't yeah. remember. But <laughs> It's tough because card games jump around in that area. Like, One Piece is 50, so it's somewhere there. Um, and similar to Mana, speaking about Magic the Gathering, or Energy in Pokemon, uh, Lorcana is utilizing colors, which is something we've seen in a lot of card games. Uh, it's, it's in One Piece, which I'm not mentioning because it's like so new that not a lot of people know about it. But um, in Lorcana, they're calling it Inks, which... I kind of like. Do you do you like that inks? Yeah, yeah, that's kind of cool, and it kind of goes with the uh, the book theme too. I'm not even sure if they revealed like any story behind this game, but it may be that we're like building spell books. Oh yeah, like, I kind the... of like that. That would be cool. Yeah. yeah. So it seems like right now your spell book, let's just go with it, can only have two ink colors, and they've revealed red, which is ruby ink, blue, which is sapphire ink. Green, which is emerald ink, amber, which is yellow ink, amethyst, which is purple ink, and steel, which is gray ink. Interesting, because I feel like all of those make sense except for the amber being yellow, because I've always thought of amber as being more orange than yellow. Orange. Yeah. Yeah. And the cards are are not orangish. They are bright yellow, but maybe they just didn't have like an alternative. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Citrine. <laughs> I'm really curious about the archetypes of these colors because these card games I keep listing, Pokemon, Magic, One Piece, each color typically has uh, different strengths in their pool that you're you're to play towards a different endgame. So like in Magic and One Piece and Digimon, red decks are really, really fast. That's just what they do. Um, I wonder if Lorcana will be like that too, if there's something we can expect out of each color. Yeah, I would imagine so. Yeah. It just seems like a standard card game stuff. But so uh, this is probably what I'm most excited about. Due to a handful of cards that they've shown us and keywords on those cards, uh, I've been able to put together like a small index of what we know so far. So according to the rules of Lorcana, challenge as a keyword is what combat in Lorcana is. There isn't fighting, it's not called warring, it's nothing like that, it's called challenging, uh, which is very Disney. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, a challenger 
is a title indicating that a character is involved in a challenge. Um, so there's some keywords on these cards. Uh, the first one that we were shown is called evasive. Uh, only characters with the evasive trait can challenge other characters with that trait. So it's kind of a way of bringing combat down and, and narrowing it down to, well, these two can only fight each other. Or if there's only one evasive card on the field, they're going to run rampant. Um, ironically, I think it's very thematic. The first evasive character they showed us was Aladdin. And I can't think of a more appropriate character to have this keyword. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, his opening song in Aladdin is like one jump ahead, you know, because he's trying to evade the guards like he's running from the guards. So, yeah, definitely is perfect. Yeah. Yep. They, they really packed it. They really made it work. Um, the next mechanic is called shifting. This is something I'm really, really interested by. By paying an alternative cost, you can play one of your characters on top of another. Uh, I believe that our only example of this is a Hades card, and it states that we can play Hades on top of that Hades card. As long as the card that we're playing has the word Hades on it, it can cover up this character for less of a cost. That basically just lets you change your board state really quick. Um, I'm not really sure about the Hades thematicness here, because it, it looks like God King Hades. He looks like he's uh, wearing a toga like on the throne of Olympus. And then you can transform that Hades into like a different Hades. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, that is cool. I'm I'm really excited about Hades being in the game because he's definitely, uh, I mean, he's not my number one favorite. Um, I think we all know who that is, but he is, <laughs> uh, he's one of my favorite villains because, you know, I actually just rewatched Hercules um, maybe a month or two ago. And I was like, you know, this villain is really sympathetic. Like I, totally understand where he's coming from like <laughs> he's yeah, just such yeah. a great character he's he's a fun character same i'm a big fan i i don't know meta of this game yet but i definitely know like the cards that i'm leaning towards wanting to play just because i like them yeah and this card is one of them for sure yeah we know that in a lot of card games there's tapping or exhausting where you turn your cards sideways like in magic you turn your cards sideways to indicate you're attacking that kind of stuff uh that is in this game uh, it's called exerting. So if you're going to challenge another player's character with your challenger, you're going to exert them by tapping them. So pretty standard. Yeah, I remember um, doing the card turning in Yu-Gi-Oh! as well. Yep, yep. Uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! also had like a similar mechanic. The next one we know is banished. Uh, exactly like it sounds. It's It's destroyed or killed, but banished is the best disney word for it <laughs> so the next mechanic is something that as soon as i saw evasive i was like oh there's there's probably going to be something like this but it's called ward um characters with the trait of ward cannot be targeted by spells or abilities so they can die in combat but they can't be the target of something it's very similar to magic the gathering hexproof okay so they can die by like friendly fire they can basically or something like get, that like hit in combat but you can't like fireball them okay it's pretty interesting um well we'll have to see how that continues i think aurora is the card that they showed with ward i suppose that's kind of appropriate like she's, I, uh... yeah that is kind of appropriate because maleficent curses her and then the uh the fairies hide her in the cottage yeah. to protect her from maleficent so yeah that makes sense uh, so the next mechanic we know which is 
As of right now, 3-6, the final mechanic is called Rush, which is something I 100% expected. Um, I actually think it's really healthy for card games to have this mechanic. But basically, Rush states that creatures with Rush bypass summoning sickness, which confirms that Lorcana will have summoning sickness. So when you summon your Aladdin or you, you summon your Lilo and Stitch, whatever, it cannot act until your next turn. So creatures with Rush bypass this. Okay. Um, ironically, we haven't been shown a creature with Rush, but they showed us White Rabbit's Pocket Watch, which gives Rush to somebody else, which is very appropriate. That's definitely appropriate, yeah. <laughs> so I'm late, it's, I'm it's, late. <laughs> I'm late, yes. Um, all of these cards have um, flavor text at the bottom, usually a quote from a character in the situation or from the character themselves. And I believe the White Rabbit's Pocket Watch flavor text is just i'm late i'm late <laughs> yeah i i'm loving all these parallels you know like aladdin being evasive and uh you know aurora being uh you know hex and yeah yeah i I love all these parallels they're definitely it's putting a lot cool. of thought into it there's been some controversy in the tcg community that disney isn't looking to build like a uh competitive or even semi-casual like functioning good card game and that they're just trying to make money and i completely disagree because these these traits and the themes behind them show me that a lot of love and care went into the game from the developers absolutely it sounds like a lot of thought has been put into it yeah the pocket watch is so good <laughs> yes yeah product is probably next in our our line of things to talk about um unfortunately that's it for mechanics um there's some stuff that we can speculate, like there might be something that lets you unbanish a card, but for now we don't we don't know. <laughs> yeah, like I said, we uh, we're just sharing what we know so far, which isn't a whole lot. Yep, it's it's pretty limited, but it's exciting because it's something to look forward to. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And and once we uh, once we do have more rules and more card reveals and stuff like that, we can always do another episode. Yeah, yeah, I would love that. Um, so for product for the first chapter of Lorcana. Um, as far as card games go, I've never seen a card game launch with this much product, which makes me believe that they really believe in their game and their ability to sell it. But first and foremost is booster packs. Uh, what card game would exist without being able to buy booster packs? Booster packs for Lorcana will have 12 cards per pack. Or if you're like me and you just buy a box and, and be done with it, it is 24 packs in a box. Yeah, we're not really sure about the logistics of boxes yet for Lurkana, but typically in card games, if you buy a box from your local game store, you get a promo card for buying the box. And those promo cards are obviously really cool. So I imagine that Ravensburger is going to do it. I would be shocked if they didn't. Yeah, and I will definitely be purchasing a box for sure. Yeah, especially for your first card game. Um, assuming that availability isn't a problem, which we will talk about a little bit later. But um, a typical card game, like I don't want to be hard quoted on this, but a typical card game booster box should be between like $90 and $120. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I wasn't expecting it to be cheap because, uh, you know, typically, typically a pack of cards is like several dollars and this is what, yeah. 24 packs? So, yep. yeah. <laughs> but I'm a big, I'm a big fan of it because... Uh, you just get the whole box there. You get the guaranteed promo. Usually there's some statistics that go into box 
buying, but let's just say you're going to go to the store and buy a few packs. This is what you can expect to open out of a single pack of Lorcana. Uh, you'll get six common cards, three uncommon cards, and then a combination of two rare and up cards. And the rarities in Lorcana are currently commons, uncommons, rares, super rares, and legendaries. So there's five rarities. And each pack will have a guaranteed foil of any rarity. So, in theory, it is possible to go to the store, buy a pack of Lorcana, and pull three legendaries. Oh, that's very could, cool. Yeah, that's cool. You could pull two legends and then a, a foil legend. Yeah. Which is very <laughs> unlikely, but... It's unlikely, but possible. <laughs> which I like. The rest of the products that I'm about to talk about going forward... They all come with something called tracker tokens. And they showed us pictures of tracker tokens, but we have no idea what they do yet. I'm willing to bet money that these tokens track the sustained damage of your characters or have something to do with your ink resource system. But so far, I have no idea because cards on their top left have a cost. So we have to pay resources for these cards but we don't know what those resources are yet, so we have to wait on that. But keep in mind that all of the product I'm about to talk about comes with those tracker tokens. They're launching with three starter decks, which is nice. A lot of card games launch with two, and uh, I think three gives that extra little matchup triangle instead of just playing the same two decks against each other, like when we were kids. Like Kaido and Yuki, just playing them against each other yes. and over and over. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> So the first starter deck is an Amber Amethyst deck featuring Moana and Mickey, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, a, a funny little team up there. Um, the second deck is Emerald and Ruby, and it's featuring Cruella de Vil and Aladdin. Yeah, that's even stranger. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then the third uh, starter deck coming out is Sapphire Steel featuring Aurora and Simba. Yeah, these are very interesting pairings. <laughs> yes, and each of these uh, starter decks also comes with a booster pack. So you can get your starter deck, open your booster pack, and get your three legendaries. The next product's really cool because a lot of card games don't launch with this product. It comes further down the line, but it's called the Illuminer's Trove. Uh, it's basically like an old-school Magic the Gathering fat pack, if you're familiar with that, or a Pokemon Elite, Elite Trainers pack box which I'm not really familiar with, but uh, it comes with eight booster packs, two deck boxes, and a detailed handbook on how to play the game. So I'm not really sure if that will be like a necessary purchase, because I imagine that the starter decks will also come with like a pamphlet on how to play the game, but it very specifically says a detailed handbook. So it might be worth picking up just for like the art in that handbook. So the last product that they're releasing with the first chapter is a gift set. Um, the gift set is pretty cool. Um, honestly, I think the most unique product out of all of this. But it comes with four booster packs, two promo cards, and two really, really big promo cards. Like jumbo-sized cards. Uh, and they're for Mulan and Hades. So they're like literally big-sized cards? Yeah, like the size of a tissue box. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, that's interesting. And, and they're that's, just that's promos. Unique. Yeah, it's very unique. Um, I think Pokemon does big cards, but it's a unique product for sure. And it also comes with a bunch of those tracker tokens, like more than any of the other products comes with. So that's it for card product, but they have some supplementary product to go along with card games. 
uh, like deck sleeves, deck boxes, play mats, stuff like that. So they announced official deck sleeves, for, including Elsa, Mickey, and Captain Hook. I'm a little surprised by Hook, because I feel like Elsa and Mickey are like flagship Disney, and then Captain Hook. Yeah, definitely a little uh, little bit of uh, an outlier there, for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but hopefully the art is sick. Yeah. Uh, they announced play mats. The first batch are confirmed as Mickey, Maleficent, and Maui. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I definitely will be picking up a Maleficent one. <laughs> Playmats are nice. Uh, you know, when you're playing with expensive cards, to anyone that doesn't really play card games, you may wonder why people use Playmats. It's basically just to keep your cards in good shape. You know, they pick up better on a Playmat, that kind of stuff. So official ones are always really nice. Yes. Yeah. And uh, do you know, like, where they're going to be, like, these accessories, where people can find them? I'm going to... Definitely assume that uh, they're going to be at your your local game shops, but uh, I actually think that you're going to have a better time finding this stuff on, in retail because I just feel like they're going to stock it because it's Disney. But uh, definitely check your local game shops and check your your retail shops that you know sell cards like Walmart, Target, that kind of stuff. And are these coming out like around the same time that the cards come out? They just said during the release of the first chapter okay so they might be kind of like bringing it out in waves but it should all be out by the time before the second chapter comes out okay if they're if that's what they call it <laughs> and there's also portfolios which are like uh those binders that card game players or collectors carry around you know to put your cards in and a special announcement by them i guess which reveals that they're planning on doing this more in the future those portfolios can fit those jumbo promos that come in the Illumineers Trove. I'm sorry, that come in the gift sets. Probably the first portfolio binder I've ever seen that can hold a jumbo card. So that's I'm pretty cool. I'm curious as to how that works. So will like some of the sleeves just be bigger than other sleeves? Yeah, maybe every few pages there will be a page for jumbo sleeves yeah. or jumbo cards. Yeah. They haven't shown us, but the portfolio arts are Stitch and then... This is kind of funny. I was talking to Chris about this before we started recording, but they announced the portfolio art as Stitch and the Queen. And I was like, Chris, what are they talking about? What queen? Yeah, there are so many queens in Disney. Like, <laughs> Who yeah. could it be? I'm pretty sure that that would be in reference to the evil queen from Snow White because she's usually referred to as either the evil queen or sometimes just the queen. So I'm pretty sure that that's gotcha. who it's talking about. Occasionally... She's referred to as Grimhilda, which is, uh, I guess it was like in an early version of the script or something. She had a name. Ah. Yeah. Uh, usually she's referred to as the evil queen or just the queen. So I think that's who they're talking about. Yeah, you're you're probably dead on. Uh, when I read the product description, I laughed because I was like, wow, there's so many options. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, what queen is this? Elsa's a queen. We've got the queen of hearts. We've got... Uh, I was going to say go Maleficent, but I don't know if she's technically a queen. I think in the Angelina Jolie movies, she is. She's queen of the Moors. But in Sleeping Beauty, I don't know mm. if she's a queen. So Yeah. And then their, their last announcement basically was just saying that uh, they 100% plan to launch Lorcana product throughout the years going forward in spades. Uh, four sets a year is what they are going to commit to. Or one set per season which is pretty typical of a card game. So four chapters a year, if that's what they continue to call it. 
All right, so uh, we're going to move into some uh, interesting trivia about the game, just some uh, interesting facts about it. And uh, yeah, so obviously, I think we've mentioned this already, uh, Lorcana, Disney Lorcana is developed by Ravensburger. Uh, this is the same company that does Disney Villainous and uh, Marvel Villainous and Star Wars Villainous. Really, really fun games. If you haven't played them, I definitely recommend them. Villainous has just been wildly successful. I mean, given the expansions that it's had and then also branching off into Marvel and Star Wars, it's been huge, hugely successful. And I've seen it in so many retail stores. Uh, so it makes sense that Ravensburger would be tackling this now. Um, do you know, like, how that came to be? Like, uh, was it Ravensburger that had the idea first, or was it Disney, or, you know, how did this happen? Do you know? Um, from what I could gather, it seems like Disney has been wanting to make a card game, and, and Ravensburger kind of stepped up due to their partnership. And also, I mean, Villainous is, is essentially a card game. There's, there's a lot of the elements of card game strategy in yeah, Villainous. Yeah, you do use cards, so... so. <laughs> yeah, you definitely, you're definitely using cards, so... Um, I can't think of any game studio across all games that I play on my game shelf that could tackle this game better. Yeah, they, they definitely seem to have a really great partnership because not only do they have, you know, Villainous, but they also have that, uh, Disney Villains card game that I showed you and, uh... You know, they also have Ravensburger has Disney puzzles as well. Like I was at Barnes and Noble earlier today and I saw that they had a bunch of puzzles, like not only villainous puzzles, but just Disney puzzles in general, you know, so they seem to have a really cool. cool, a great partnership. Yeah. Um, As far as Ravensburger as a game developer, they've also worked on a few other games, but nothing. I don't think there's anything in their their repertoire as impressive as villainous. But um, they've worked on a game called Echoes. They have this Wizard of Oz game. <laughs> the Taco Bell Party Pack card game. Ravensburger were the people behind that game. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so so they've, they've put some work in. I mean, they've been around the block. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Villainous is another game, like, uh, it seems like Lorcana will be, that seems like they put a lot of thought into it. Like, I love how, uh, you know, each villain that you play has a completely different objective yeah so much effort goes into balancing a game asymmetrically like so much effort so big props to them yeah yeah and the way that they i was always so impressed by how they made that work because like i said depending on what villain you play as your character will have a completely different objective and that means of course that some players are possibly going to have a more difficult path to victory depending on who they choose the difficulty level is different. Like every time I play Villainous with you, for example, I usually choose a different character and it's a different difficulty level every time, you know? Yeah, And definitely. I just think it's really cool how they made that work. So Lacana's having a really limited launch too compared to a lot of games. Um, I thought this was really interesting. Uh, the game is only launching in Germany, France, UK, and Canada following the US pre-release. So if I read this correctly, the United States is the only country getting the game in August. Everyone else is getting it in September. This game will only be available in English, French, and German. As a competitive card game player, I'm really, really surprised not to see Japan on the list. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm not really sure if Japan and Disney... I mean, isn't there a Disneyland in Japan? Yes, there is. 
Yeah, so that's that's interesting. Uh, I'm sure they have their reasons, though. Maybe they think that the Japanese card market is already flooded? Maybe. Yeah, that could be it. Yeah, because that was like my thought when, uh, you know, when I realized that it wasn't going to be in Japan. I was like, Japan is like the nerd capital of the world. Like, how can you not have this released in Japan? That just yeah. seems wild. The jury's out on that one. I'm I'm not really sure, but it is interesting to note. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. So uh yeah, um so we just have kind of like some back and forth uh discussion points that we want to touch upon about this game. So like I said already, uh I do really like the name because it's like a portmanteau of lore and arcana, so it's a really cool name. It's a clever name. Yeah, I love the name. And and now that you've mentioned the first chapter and like the possibility of it being a book and you're inking your spells into the book like i can i can even get behind the first chapter set name too yeah especially if that does end up being the objective of the game is to like craft a spell book or something so one thing that's kind of confusing to me is uh you know you mentioned how the the game isn't actually coming out at least in the united states until august uh but in the little bit of research that I did for this podcast, I saw that there were some people on eBay that were selling some cards for like an outrageous amount of money. Like there was a Rockstar Stitch for like $1,800. There was a Mickey Mouse for like twenty five grand, And I was just like, okay, first of all, insane. Like who is spending that much <laughs> money on cards? <laughs> that is ridiculous. But then secondly, I was like, how do people even have these yet? Like there aren't any cards out yet, are there? Yeah, so there were five cards released to the public, not just five altogether, but you could get five cards if you went to the D23 Expo. I guess they probably have one of these a year. Yes, I believe the D23 Expos are once a year, yeah. D22 or whatever year it is, maybe. I don't even know. I assumed it was D23 because it's 2023. I'm pretty sure that they call it D23 because 2023, or I'm sorry, 1923 is when Disney was founded as a company. Oh, so they're all called D23. Yes, yeah. Wow, okay. That, see, I learned something. I was like, it's got to be because it was at the 2023 Expo. But I was like, that's confusing because that Expo was last year. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. if you went to the D23 Expo in 2022, you could have got six cards. Um, Elsa, Hook, Stitch, Robin Hood, Maleficent, and Cruella. That Stitch being the Rockstar Stitch. Uh, each of these, each each character is like a special foiling exclusive to this expo and uh there's one character of each ink which i think they did for promotional purposes um you could buy the cards for 50 bucks at the expo that was it so people went to the expo bought it specifically that mickey mouse he sent it into psa i'm sorry i should say he or she but they sent it into psa it got graded 10 which means a perfect card and then that guy posted it online for $25,000. <laughs> it's a little crazy. Like It is. Like, I mean, that is, I don't know who would, in their right mind, spend that much money on a, basically a piece of paper. Like, that's yeah, insane. A, a piece of cardboard. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. You know, collectors, collectors on anything are nuts. Like, yep, that's true. Sneaker, uh, you know, not to judge. People are passionate, I should say. But, like, sneaker, sneaker buying, my God. But like I said before, I, I alluded to this earlier, um, you know, this has the potential of not only being a fun game to play, but it's also going to have collectible value. And, you know, I do think that 
Disney probably is taking advantage of that, which is, you know, I'm not judging. That's that's fine, you know, because uh, a lot of companies market cards that way, you know, in a way where you could be a collector and or you could actually play the game. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, a big thing for collecting in card games is it's all about product. If if the company is putting out almost no product, collecting the game becomes a rich man's game. And a lot of people get pushed out of collecting the game. Um, One Piece is a really good example. It's going through it right now. In in America, we don't have enough cards. So the game is impossible to collect because the people that are trying to play the game are trying to buy cards. So it's it's like a little bit of a mess. But I think Disney is going to be able to put the product out. So if you want to collect a set, you should be able to reasonably because those cards are out there in the market. And if you want to build a killer deck, you should be able to find those cards reasonably. Yeah, yeah. I even told you earlier today, I was like, I'm going to have to buy myself another uh, portfolio because I have a card portfolio for like, uh, you know, I have Pokemon cards. I have some yeah. collectible cards that I've collected over the years that are not for games, but they're just like, you know, like collectible, collectible cards. Yeah. yeah, like I have fringe cards. I have Batman Returns. I have that, Alias. That's awesome. I, yeah. Um, and they're not for a game. They're just collectible cards, yeah. you know. Um, but I'm going to have to buy another one. That's like 70% full. Yeah. Well, lucky for you, you can get uh, a Disney Lorcana portfolio. And you can get Stitch or the Queen. Yeah, definitely the the Evil Queen will be my choice there. But um, that's that's very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And they'll probably print more down the line, I bet. But yeah, I th- I think Lorcana has the potential to be just as collectible as Pokemon. There are Pokemon YouTube channels where they don't even play the game. They just open packs and they're like, this is what I opened. And then they put them in their binders and that's the video. Yeah, and yeah. People are into that. Yep. Um, I really, really like the rarities when it comes to collectibleness. Um, every pack of Lorcana has so much potential for rare cards. It's It's exciting. Like, statistically speaking, I mean, two rares in a pack guaranteed two rares minimum is is above what most card games do and a guaranteed foil so uh as far as like cards that they have not revealed yet but that maybe would be fun to have in the future have you given any thought to that like any uh fun possible potential ideas for the future as far as like what cards they might release definitely um in fact i've probably put too much mental energy into this but upon like <laughs> seeing the new reveals each week and then you go back to work doing your thing, I can't help but think about it. But ironically, last week before they revealed the pocket watch, um, I was thinking about Alice in Wonderland and that world's place in a card game. And uh, as a magic player, I always played control. Uh, you know, like I control the game using counter cards or cards to stop your opponent from doing what they want to do and and you control the tempo um ironically i skipped playing that in one piece because uh people don't really like that play style and i wanted people to like me but in (laughs) disney (laughs) i think alice in wonderland could really really nail control cards like the one that we saw it's not exactly control in a typical way but it, it is controlling the board state in a sense by giving somebody rush but I would love to see some Alice cards that swap health and strength of creatures or whatever those um, numbers may be that are on the cards. 
or Alice cards that can unexert exerted creatures. I think there's a lot of opportunity for some really silly Alice in Wonderland cards. And then I'm going to play Control again. But I think that the Disney Larkana community will maybe uh, accept that more. I'm thinking, like, we've been shown item cards are a thing. And, in fact, the one Alice in Wonderland card we saw is an item. So I was thinking about mushrooms, like Alice in Wonderland mushrooms or the eat me drink me thing and the mechanics that that could have on cards it's it's pretty exciting oh yeah absolutely um, yeah i have two follow-up answers that are less serious but i want kevin from up and he has no abilities and he's a legendary but he's just really good like like 15 15 just <laughs> really strong and really healthy for no reason that would be amazing yeah <laughs> it's just like the card art is just his face yes um <laughs> And then another thing I was thinking, kind of going on the outer line of like Disney is like Disney Pixar, and I'm sure that Disney Pixar will have a place in this game. You know, Kevin being from Up, and I think some Big Hero 6 characters could be really sick. There's so many things, could just go on and on. But I definitely want to see some Big Hero 6. I would love to see Kevin from Up get a legendary card. <laughs> uh, Alice in Wonderland, just more Alice in Wonderland, please. Yes, absolutely. I agree with that. Uh, uh, what about you? Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, I'm very excited about Maleficent. Obviously, she's my favorite. But I feel like any sorcerer-like characters are going to be good for this game. So, like, obviously, Maleficent, Jafar, the genie, Hades, Elsa, etc. The genie could be so much fun. <laughs> yes, especially if, you know, our theory about this possibly, the objective of this possibly being to you know, write some sort of spell book or something, you know, these sorcerer-like characters will be perfect. So uh, Evil Queen is another one, and I'm assuming she'll have a card if she's, you know, like being promoted the way that she is with the uh, the uh, portfolio, you know. Yeah, so. I, I would assume so. Yeah, sorcerers definitely, I think, are going to have a, a home in this game for sure. Uh, and upon you saying that, it's like a, a sorcerer Jafar that could shift into genie jafar would be really cool. oh yeah i didn't even think about that it's, there's so many options um so out of the cards that we've been shown so far is is your favorite maleficent i assume yeah definitely i mean i i feel like that's just you know if maleficent is involved in something that's always going to be my answer <laughs> <laughs> nice well good for you the good news for you is that she's also good the card that they've revealed so far uh it is a red maleficent card as soon as she hits the board, she not only is she scary, she's huge, but she just outright kills an opponent's creature just for entering the board. So she's going to be cool. So yeah, the thematically, uh, I'm sure you would lean towards Maleficent either way, but good news for you, she's pretty strong. Yeah. Um, from the cards that we've been shown so far, I think Scar is absolutely nuts. He is a blue card that they revealed, and we don't really know much about the different inks yet, but it's now making me interested in playing blue. But uh, he has a ability called Insidious Plot, and when he hits the board, he gives an opponent character minus five what we believe is attack. So not only is he coming to the board as his own presence, but he's absolutely cutting off the ability of another creature to fight. I think that's a really strong card. So I was leaning towards playing control in this game, and I think that blue is going to be the way, and I think Scar is going to be a good example of what that blue playstyle may look like. And speaking of that, you know, with early thoughts, 
Have you given any thoughts to what starter deck you're going to choose? I feel like we all have that memory of going to the store as kids and being like, I'm going to pick up the Pegasus deck. Yes. Like, I'm going to be <laughs> the guy that has the Joey deck. And then you go to school and everybody has the Joey deck. But Yes. Uh, well, okay. So just based on like my attachment to the characters, I feel like the obvious choice for me is going to be the uh, Cruella and Aladdin because Cruella is probably my fourth favorite villain. And okay. So she's up there. Aladdin is probably my favorite male hero. So uh, yeah, that just kind of seems like an easy pick for me, but I don't know, you know, because obviously so little about the game has been revealed. So I don't know anything about how those cards are going to play, but just based on my attachment to the characters, that would be my choice. Cool. Yeah, and I can't imagine, I mean, going into the game, I can't imagine their mechanics being so crazy that you change your mind, that you're like, never mind, I'm not going to play this deck. I'm sure that they'll all be good in their own way. Although I will say, the very first time that you and I played Villainous together, obviously I played as Maleficent, obviously. Yes. And I yes. think I only did maybe once more, if that. Because she She's was tough. so difficult. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's true. Yeah. It's kind of a shame, too, because, uh, well, I'll finish my thought and then I'll kind of get into it. But uh, I'm going to be starting with the Aurora Simba deck, I think. Basically, because I believe Scar might be in that deck. I believe that's like the play style I want to play. And I love the Lion King. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, Sleeping Beauty's pretty cool. Uh, Aurora seems strong, but I I'm definitely excited. I hope that there's, you know, some Timon and Pumbaa common cards in that deck for fun. I hope that your deck has some fun 101 Dalmatian cards. But um, yeah, I wonder what Cruella will do. We'll we'll have to find out. It'd be interesting if she had some sort of sacrifice creature mechanic, but it's also kind of dark. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's the thing about like Cruella and, you know, like saying that she's like my fourth favorite villain. Um, That might surprise some people because, you know, I really, really, really love animals. Um she that's her thing is she at least in the animated version the emma stone is they softened her up a lot but uh the animated cruella obviously her whole thing is uh she will do anything to look lavish including having dogs killed for fur which is terrible yeah. uh terrible but you can't help but love her though she's one of those villains that you just can't hate because she's got so much personality she's funny She's got charisma, you know, she steals every scene that she's in. Uh, so she's just one of those interesting characters. It's like, I don't like what you do, but I like you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so how she plays in the game will be will be interesting. It's cool that we're, you know, for the sake of playing cards, we're going to have to put our feelings aside and, and play cards like Cruella de Vil and sacrifice animals if that's what it comes down to. <laughs> creature sacrifice yes deck. that would be terrible but you know at least it's not as visual as like doing it in a video game sure, or something for like sure. that i mean it's you know it's all made up you that's know, always really really hard okay. for me is when i'm playing yeah. a video game and you have to kill an animal some games are so bad about it um so i thought it would be fun to just wrap up with uh every ip that we know is in Lorcana, like every every disney world like, all the representation that we know so far. Cool, yeah. So, we know Mulan. We uh, And I'm just going to say the world, not necessarily the cards in it. Because right now, we only have one Mulan card, but it means that there may be an opening for more. So, 
We have Mulan, Hercules, Frozen. Uh, Frozen has two cards, Elsa and Olaf. Interesting. Tangled. <laughs> I feel like Olaf is going to have some sort of, because his whole thing is like, you know, uh, some people are worth melting for and that thing. And, you know, I love warm hugs. So I feel like it's going to be something involving like empathy or protection. Yes, you nailed it. So he's been revealed. Uh, Olaf is a one drop, which means your first turn, he can come down. Uh, and he is a 1-3. We don't know exactly what that means, but he has, like, one fighting stat, and then his shield stat is 3. So he's tanky. So I think I think he is designed to hit the board early and be a chump blocker and die. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so Poor Olaf, him. that breaks my heart. Although <laughs> Yes, he's going to hit the board and help you by taking a blow. <laughs> yeah, I did have to watch that once already. I don't think you've seen Frozen 2, but... um. He does. I have not. He does technically die in it. He comes back, but Aww. he dies. Yeah, it's a very, very, very yeah. hard scene to watch. So you you kind of nailed it. He's going to be a a chump early game blocker. <laughs> tangled is in the game. Uh, we have a heal spell. So the tangled card tells us that that creatures can sustain damage because the tangled card is heal, and it removes two damage from a creature. So it looks like creatures will be able to sustain damage um we know about lion king we know about lilo and stitch i don't really know what what universe mickey mouse is in but we know that the mickey mouse verse is represented <laughs> typically i see that as like mickey and friends like oh, okay. uh, mickey Minnie, pluto, donald, donald pluto yeah that's goofy that's usually how i see that labeled as uh mickey and friends mickey and friends okay so we know we know mickey and friends uh, Peter Pan, Sleeping Beauty, Moana, 101 Dalmatians, obviously, Snow White, Robin Hood, Aladdin, and Beauty and the Beast. Oh, and as of last week, Alice in Wonderland. Okay, yeah, so it's so far like pretty much all of the, or at least most of the classics. Um, yeah, the most newest of stuff is Frozen and Tangled, right? Yeah, out of out of the list, Frozen and Tangled is the newest stuff, which I feel like Frozen is a shoe-in, of course. Yeah, but yeah. The community definitely should keep in mind, if your favorite stuff isn't on this list, uh, do not worry. There's going to be four sets a year, each set over 200 cards. Your favorite background character will likely hit this game at some point. Yes, yeah. And then that leads into, you know... I'm sure Marvel and Star Wars is on Lorcana's radar. Oh, yeah. Probably yeah. not for a while. Yeah. It would make sense that they would incorporate, you know, I don't know if it'll be like, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think it'll be like uh, if they do release Star Wars and Marvel cards that it will be like a separate game? Or do you think you'll be able to mix and match? I 100% think you'll be able to mix and match. It's like very typical of card games. Um, one of these sets I feel like uh, whether they continue with the numbered sets or even if they take a break in the numbered sets, it's going to be like, oh, this is the set that introduces Star Wars. And they're going to use it to shift the meta. So for competitive players, they're going to use it to be like, okay, this is a big new season of gameplay, new mechanics. And then for casual players, it's going to be like, you can go collect your Star Wars characters now and you can play your Star Wars characters with your friends and stuff. And I 100% I think that it's just going to hit a set star wars marvel the potential's there for uh okay spring 2027 is the spider-man set you know what i mean either way i hope that we just keep it classic for a little while 
I, I don't really want Darth Vader and Lorcana right now. I'm I'm good with Hades and Mulan and I'm I'm cool with this for a little while. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I would rather just for the time being stick to classic Disney. Yep. I think it is a matter of time, but for now, um definitely hope they keep leaning into like the magic of Disney. Yeah. I mean eventually, don't get me wrong, eventually I would love to have uh Marvel and Star Wars incorporated because I'm just imagining in my head now, like, you know, having a game that involves, like, Darth Maul and Maleficent or, you know, Kylo Ren and uh, Hades. And, you know, that just sounds yeah. like a blast. <laughs> it's, so. it's very silly to imagine, like, the decks and the meta and, uh, yeah, and, and the potential in the future. Because, like, all card games, uh, there's going to be those cards that just are good, that just run rampant and... and like we were talking about the pre-releases and future events. And if you come to a few of those with me, you're going to see a lot of the same cards and a lot of the same strategies because each set will just have that thing that's stronger. And it's so funny to imagine like what it may be in each set. Cause yeah. I, I mean, just from what we've seen, Olaf and Scar look really good. Sorry. Is the meta just going to be like Olaf and Scar running around? Cause that's a funny combo. Yes. <laughs> like Olaf Scar decks just causing problems for people so the the future is really bright for this game i think oh uh another character that i would love to have incorporated that i forgot to mention is uh jack skellington oh yeah absolutely yep he'd be awesome and it's not like we're only seeing main characters so far either because the single beauty and the beast card we have is a vanilla four five with no abilities and it's the wardrobe <laughs> so wow. i love it it's yeah. like you, you know you lose a tournament to the wardrobe from yeah. beauty and the beast yeah who's in like one scene in that movie yes <laughs> she's she's beefy in this game though she's strong yeah like i mentioned aladdin is a one one olaf is a one three the wardrobe is a four five jeez yeah <laughs> <laughs> So uh, another thing that's exciting for me is, uh, you know, you and I have talked about this before. Like, we have a love-hate relationship with this sort of thing. But, like, how you buy, like, the, uh, I was going to say some sums. That's not what they are. The Dorables. The Disney Dorables. Oh, yeah. Dorables. Yeah. My girlfriend really likes Disney Dorables. Yeah. Disney Dorables are, are great. Um, but part of the fun is, like, when you buy them. Typically, unless you buy, like, one of those boxes where uh, you know exactly what characters you're going to get. Yeah. Typically, it's like a blind bag where you don't know who you're going to get. And, yeah. you yeah. know, there's like a, that's a good thing and a bad thing, right? Because it's like, the bad thing is that, well, you might get someone that you don't really care about, or you might get someone that you already have. Um, but there's also an exciting aspect to that of, like, you know, that rush of adrenaline that you get when you go to open it, you don't know who it's going to be. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. And this will be similar because when you buy like a pack, for example, you're not going to know what cards are in there. Uh, nope, exactly. Yeah. So that's exciting. I always tell people that are starting to play card games, if you're going to be going to your events uh, and and you want wins, which I can't say for certain that Disney Lorcana is going to be uh, giving out like winner promo cards for winning your locals. But since they have announced sanctioned play, I'm going to assume so. Yeah. But I will tell people, buy singles. If if you're not familiar with the TCG market, remember, this is a trading card game. Trade the cards you don't want. Get out there. Find people. Discord is amazing. 
you can join like Lorcana groups, post your trades, you know, get out there in the community. But if you're trying to build a deck, buy the cards separately. There's going to be websites that will sell singles. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, if you're collecting, buy packs for sure. That's going to be the funnest for you. But if if you're trying to build a deck, buy the singles, construct your deck. Uh, don't try to build your deck out of just buying packs because it's going to, it could end real bad for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I feel like, too, there are going to be, like, different levels of uh, commitment to this. You know, like, some people, sure. like you're saying, yeah, are going to... Yeah, they're going to go, like, really, really hardcore with crafting the best possible deck that they can. And then mm -hmm. other people are just going to be like, oh, you know, I like this card. I like that card. I like this card. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah and there's just going to be, yeah, so. Yep, but... Yeah, it's the best advice I can give to people that are like, oh, maybe this is the card game where I'm going to go for tournaments and stuff. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, for sure, it's this game is going to, I think it's going to cover all levels of play, and that's really exciting. Like, uh, I didn't really go to Yu-Gi-Oh! events as a kid, but I knew, like, oh, I want to build this deck because these cards synergize, and, you know, there's there's different levels for sure. Right, absolutely. Yep. So, uh, any, like, closing thoughts anything else you want to uh say about this game before we wrap up here uh no not particularly um thanks for having me on for sure absolutely uh, it was nice to talk about what has been on my mind so much um since you told me we were going to be doing this uh i'm really excited about it uh card games are fun you should play card games with people for sure get yeah, out of your house yeah. play some games yeah it's a great way to build <laughs> community make friends and yeah. uh yeah uh, and I definitely yep, um, plan on doing that once this is out. Yeah, for sure. Uh, definitely the pre-release or the if there's any events after that. Uh, I've been frequenting shops around here for One Piece, so I'm sure that there will be some events. But even if you go to something like that and go 03 or, or lose every single one of your games, usually you get a participation promo, and usually you get to be around people that are passionate about what you're passionate about. And what's better than that? Right, exactly. <laughs> So even if you're not trying to win, if you really like Lorcana, I recommend going to that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because like me, for example, I'm not really a competitive person. And you know this about me because when I was young and we used to play games together, like I would get like so upset if I lost, you know, I've just <laughs> never been a competitive person. It gives me anxiety. Uh, sure. Yeah. But this is something that I could see being really, really fun, though, you know, and yeah. I want to take part in it, even if it's just to have fun, even if, you know, even if I don't win, because that's another thing about me. I'm not usually very good at games. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, like, we've played Villainous together, what, like, maybe 10 times, and I think I've won maybe once or twice. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I'm not very yeah. good at games, but I'm just excited about the, the fun of it that I know is going to be involved. Yeah, I, I just can't wait for those moments. Uh it happens all the time. Like, uh, I'm I'm sitting down for this interview after, like, a weekend of some One Piece tournaments and stuff, and I have another one on Wednesday, but it's, like, um, sitting down across from somebody and, and somebody you've never met, and you both pull out your deck and, like, start playing. It's the same as you're playing fighting games with somebody. You know, you're, you're both love the same thing. Um, right, and right. And as far as villainous goes, you've never... It's not like you've ever raged or anything at losing and no. that's the most you can hope for in a community yeah no absolutely i mean obviously i've matured since i was a kid but yes um, yes yeah uh, some people don't though yeah some people are, <laughs> you know you you go to events like this and you kind of run into the people that you really hope you don't not to 
not to stop you from going to these events, but just don't be that guy. Right. Absolutely. Somebody might lose their first round and rage quit, but that's okay. He can do what he wants. Yep. Absolutely. All right. So, uh, yeah. Um, if you would like to reach out to me, uh, you can do that by uh, emailing disneyshpodcast at gmail.com. You can join the Facebook group, which is facebook.com slash groups slash disneyshpodcast. Uh, I usually post uh, like updates about uh, what episode I'm, you know, what movie or topic or whatever it is that I'm going to be covering in the next episode. I'll share it usually on Instagram and in the Facebook group. And speaking of Instagram, that is Disney's podcast. And you can also follow my personal Instagram page if you would like, which is The Lost Passenger. And if you're not subscribed to the podcast, please make sure that you do subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Uh, if you uh, like what you've heard so far, then please spread the word. Tell friends about this podcast and tell, you know, significant others, family members, etc. And uh, next up on the podcast is going to be uh, comparing the original animated Cinderella from 1950 to the live action Cinderella from 2015. So uh, tune in to see which one comes out on top. Which one do I prefer? To be honest with you, I'm not sure. So we'll have to wait and see how that because I've seen both of them, but my mind is kind of telling me that I enjoyed both of them about the same. So we'll have so to wait and see. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. So I'm looking forward to that. That'll be next up on the podcast. Uh, I am taking a short two to three week hiatus from the podcast, however. So that episode won't be out for two to three weeks. Uh, but make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast, like I said already. And be sure that you're following me on Instagram and that you're in the Facebook group. Uh, because updates will be posted there. So, uh, yeah, again, like I said, Cody, thank you so much for coming on. This was so much fun. And, I mean, I don't think that I would have covered this if, you know, like if I had asked you, like, oh, Cody, did you want to come on and talk about Lorcana with me? And you would said, oh, no, I don't think that sounds like something I'd want to do. I'd be <laughs> like, all right, well, then I'm probably not going to do this because, yeah. you know, like, I don't have the knowledge about this that you do. Like <laughs> you, you were like 90% of this podcast. So, <laughs> uh, well, cool. I'm, I'm happy to talk about what I'm passionate about. It was, it was my pleasure. Yeah. And like I said, if, uh, well, not if it's when, uh, when more info comes out about this game and we have like a better idea of how to play it and what the objective is and you know, what the mechanics are and stuff like that. And we get more card reveals and stuff like that. Then definitely I would love to have you back on so we can talk more about it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that we could probably do one more when right before the game comes out, like when we know everything. Yes. You know? Yeah. All right. So, uh, well, until next time, uh, this has been Disney reminding you that, like Cody said, don't be that guy. Yeah.